As I set up our, our time of sharing this morning, I want to give a good 15-minute chunk to that, so um, I'm going to get us there pretty quickly. I, I read through many different um, chapters this week, and I kept coming back to the last chapter in 2 Samuel, and uh, maybe, maybe a story or a piece of scripture that you're, you're pretty unfamiliar with. Um, this is, uh, we get to see King David wrestling with God in this chapter. And um, a king who has everything is really faced with this decision of, where do I put my trust? How much do I trust God? At the end of 2 Samuel, um, so much of David's life has already happened. Um, both the highlights and the lowlights. So the really good stuff that made him one of the most popular kings ever. Um, showed incredible faith in God so many times. A real inspiration for his people. And then the lowlights, which uh, many of you are familiar with. Um, where he pursued power and pleasure and lied and ushered in evil. As he committed adultery with an innocent neighbor and then took the life of an innocent man to cover up his tracks. And so we see a king with, with greatness and also kind of at the bottom. And at the end of 2 Samuel, really faced with um, a decision with God about where he puts his trust. I think as I um, walked away from reading this chapter several times this week, I think I'm reminded that you and I, we have a God who forgives, but yet often we're left to deal with the consequences of our decisions. And David, uh, while God had forgiveness for this guy, the consequence of what happened with Bathsheba and other decisions he made kept following him throughout his kingship kept affecting him and the people around him. And we see this again as I will read 2 Samuel chapter 24 with you this morning. We'll see again where he kind of takes things on his own, kind of pulls things out of God's hands, and then we see the consequence of that. So I'm going to start right at the top of chapter 24. We're going to end up at this verse. And um, I wanted to, I pulled this out of the Jewish Bible because they use the word Adonai, which I just think is a powerful word. Um, in the Jewish, uh, in the Hebrew Old Testament, you're going to see this word for God appear three, four hundred times. And it has so many meanings wrapped into it. Um, uh, when, you, when we say this together, I want you to think about words like um, almighty, on top. Majestic, owner, master, father, and Lord. And it's sort of all wrapped into this Hebrew word. And we're going to just kind of sit with this throughout the service today. I'll have you read it with me a little bit later. Let, let, me, let me lead us to this verse. I'm going to be reading not out of the Jewish uh, Bible, but just straight out of the NLT here. Um, but when we get to that verse, it'll be in that translation. Starting in verse 1, uh, it's called David Takes a Census. Once again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he caused David to harm them by taking a census. So they're in a bad spot, and David ends up making a poor decision. Go and count the people of Israel and Judah, the Lord told him. So they're in a tough spot. They need to figure out militarily if they can hold their own. 
And David, as king, is worried about this. And he makes the decision, let's find out how many armed guys we have ready. That way of thinking is different than the people of Israel were used to being led. They were used to being led, if God says go, we go. If God says fight, we fight. If God says stand down, we stand down. Had nothing to do with counting numbers, counting swords, counting horses. So in this sense, the way I would understand this is, have you ever had a parent, it doesn't matter how old you are here in this question, okay? have you ever had a parent say, well then go ahead and do it your way, let's see what happens. That, that's what this is. This is God saying, I'm frustrated with you David, but go ahead. Why don't you take that census and see what happens? That's how we understand the beginning here. So, the king said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Take a census of the tribes of Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, so I may know how many people there are. But Joab, who's the bright one in the room, the one who's like, no, I'm pretty sure I trust God on this one, is, says this back to David. Replied to the king, May the Lord your God let you live to see a hundred times as many people as there are now. But why, my lord, the king, why do you want to do this? David, this isn't how we follow God. What are you doing here? David says, that's what we're doing. The king insisted. No, I'm not listening to you, Joab. I, I want to know. I'm going to take the census. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out to count the people of Israel. And um, we think that would be really easy, right? And it took them 10 months. It's a lot of lost time. Ten months it took them. They came back. I'm going to jump down to verse 9. Joab reported the number of people to the king. There were 800,000 capable warriors in Israel who could handle a sword and 500,000 in Judah. But after he had taken the census, David's conscience began to bother him. We see this happen in David's life a time or two throughout Scripture. He does an action, runs from God, and is conscious bothers him, and then he has to figure out what he's going to do next. He comes to the point where he says, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. The next morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet God. Uh, I don't know, great name for a prophet, I guess. Who is David Seer. This was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments, and I'll inflict it on you. So back to my question, have you ever had a parent <laughs> who gave you three choices of punishments, and how did that go? This is the conversation. So Gad came to David and asked him, all right, here's the three. One, choose three years of famine throughout your land. Two, three months of fleeing from your enemies, or three days of severe plague throughout your land. Severe plague meaning like black plague, like sickness, death. Think this over and decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me, the prophet is saying to David. And then David kind of sums it up and uh, we'll go to the, the Hebrew version of this in the next slide. Uh, I'll have you read this in yellow with me. I'm in a desperate situation, David said to God. This is very hard for me. Let us fall into the hand of Adonai, because his mercies are great. 
rather than have me fall into the hand of man. At first, when I read this, I said, David seems pretty smart. He picked the third one. Maybe just because it's the shortest. That was the logic I was giving it. As I dug into scripture and commentaries, I realized that um, the third one, by choosing the third one, he showed more trust in God than the first two. Because typically in that time, the first two he could have protected himself from as king. The first one, being famine, he could have worked the storehouses and gotten the food in and figured out how he was going to manage this famine, and he would have probably been fine. He would have had enough to eat, while other people would have suffered. The second one, with war, he could have protected himself from the front lines. He could have been the further in from the enemy. He's the king, after all. He could have been protected while others suffered for his sinfulness. Whereas the third one, sickness, death, the plague, doesn't discriminate against a king or servant. And so, as we read this, we see that he is allowing himself to be placed into the true hands of God. We'll go with the third option. That way I can suffer just as much as someone else. We're fully putting our hands in you, God. The first one might have a lot to do with um, my farmers. The second one has a lot to do with the enemy. And this third one, well, if you choose to strike me down, then that's what happens. He picks the third one. But he also has a little bit of faith that God would see them through, that God's mercy would still shine through. And that is what happens. A little bit later, as, the, as the, uh, the black plague, we'll call it, descends upon them and they lose lots of people, right in the middle of it, it says that God had compassion. And he heard them. And he stopped it. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. If you chart your blessings this Thanksgiving, if you share them around the table, or if you have a quiet time and you just think about what those blessings are, you will often be humbled and even at peace if you're able to make this year's sufferings and disappointments really small and God really big. And that's not to belittle what we go through or say it doesn't matter, but just that somehow God has gotten us through. That, that the strife or suffering that you endured was endured with God's help, the help of others, and with a God who loves you. And while the hands of man might not always be trusted, that God is still faithful, that God is still present, and God is working. And it's our response to life's cave-ins, to life's implosions, to always, always, always pursue shelter in the arms of God. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Your turn. We'll go to our sharing slide. And if you've just got a, a brief example, a quick story that you want to share with us, we would love to hear that this morning. As um, It's a way to give testimony to who God is, but also bless us with something in the middle of this service. So we have a microphone right here in this aisle, and we have a microphone in here. Just make lines, and we'll just roll through, and then I'll tie us up in 15 minutes. I'm going to have you stand up, and uh, we're going to do a reading together. 
going to be out of Psalms 37. <clears throat> I'll, do the, I'll do the reader part, and you, all, um, you guys are the all at the bottom. Here we go. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness reward shine like the dawn, and your vindication like the noonday sun. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, and those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Do 